0: stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Greetings, everyone, from Athens, Georgia. <coughs> My name Andy Hines, and I work with Rick Bonfim. I'm excited to be a part of his ministry. God's doing a lot of great things, and I'm excited that he's given me an opportunity to be a part of it, and Rick has given me an opportunity to teach. And as such, uh, we've done two parts of the Kingdom series, Kingdom of uh, Keys of the Kingdom series, and we're going to do part three today. So, as you can see, I'm not in the office I'm at home, but uh, we're going to use technology, and we're going to post it from here at home. So let's open with a word of prayer. Father, I thank you so much for your help. I thank you for what you're doing here for us. Uh, I ask you, Father, in Jesus' name, to let today go the way you want it to. Let the word of God go forth, and let it bear fruit in people's hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Uh, Our base scripture for this study is Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 19. I'm going to go ahead and read those. Well, I better get there first, hadn't I, before I do that. When Jesus came to the area of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? They answered, Some say, John the Baptist, others Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, You are blessed, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood "...did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven, and whatever you release on earth will have been released in heaven." So let's also, let's jump over to chapter 18, verse 18, and Jesus says this, I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven, and whatever you release on earth will have been released in heaven. Again, I tell you the truth, if two of you agree on whatever you ask, my Father in heaven He will do it for you. For where two or three are assembled in my name, I am there among them. Well, one of the things that we see here is when Jesus said, uh, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church. He's not talking about Peter. He's talking about the revelation knowledge that Peter was talking about. Peter says, Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus is quick to tell him, you didn't get that on your own. My father who's in heaven revealed it to you. Now, in order to put this whole uh, package together, you got to have a framework that you can that you can build on. And um, one of the, the, the most important aspects of this is. Who does he say that I am? What does Jesus say about me? Because that's true, whether I believe it or not, what he says about me is true. So there's several things we want to look at. There's more than a few, but we're just going to grab a couple of the the most essential ones. In him, I am complete. His anointing is my anointing. His authority is my authority. And what he has is what I have. What he can do, I can do. And his righteousness is my righteousness. I can do all things because of him. Now, let me straighten out. What he can do, I can do. Well, clearly, he created the universe and I'm not going to be able to do that. But, The things that he did here on earth as a man operating under the power of the Holy Spirit, those are the things that I have the power to do. Now, clearly I'm not operating them. I'm not operating in them as well as I could be. But that's what I've I've been given the the tools to do. Now, one of the questions that comes up, uh, and, and, and it's, It's always that way. I've got a great little book here um, from Philip Yancey, The Question That Never Goes Away. Why? So we ask that a lot. We ask, a lot of times we ask questions, why did this, why do good things happen to bad people? Why do bad things happen to bad people? And just why do bad things happen? Well, a lot of it has to do because we've abdicated our authority. We have uh, not exercised the, author- the clear authority, the clear lines of spiritual authority that the Lord's given us. We've not exercised them. Um, let's look at Ephesians chapter 2. <coughs> you have to excuse me. Allergies are, are causing me some issues today. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verses one through five, 1 through 6. And let me read those to you. And you were dead in your offenses and sins in which you previously walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. And even, verse 5, even when we were dead in our wrongdoings, made us, God made us alive together with Christ For by grace you've been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places. That's where we are today. We're seated in heavenly places with him. And in order to do what he's asked us to do, uh, we need to exercise the authority that he's given us. It's God-given authority. Um, We look around in horror at the news um, it seems like every day, four or five times a day, kids are being shot over here. A woman's run down over here with a car. Uh, a woman plows her car through a, a parade of people. On and on and on it goes. And there seems to be no stop to it. Well, Second Corinthians 4, 4 tell us that the God of this world has blinded the eyes of the unbeliever, and Jesus himself tells us that Satan is the ruler of this world, but that he has nothing in Jesus. So the reason the world is in the mess that it's in is because of who's running the world. Now, one of the more difficult things for people to understand is this idea of the sovereignty of God? Now, don't don't go off and say I didn't. I said God's not sovereign because He is. But we need to define that term before we actually throw it out into a conversation, because what sovereignty means to you might mean something different to me. We use the same word means two different things, leads to great confusion, and um, uh, I want to understand. I want us to understand that. So let's talk about the sovereignty of God for a minute. Does God run the whole universe? Is he the guy that's responsible for the whole universe and everything in it? Yes, he is, clearly. He created the whole thing. You can go to Romans 1, and you can see that nature itself speaks to God. I mean, you don't have to have any theological saying. I remember as a kid when when my dad took me on a fishing trip to northern Minnesota and this little lake that we were on, uh, I think it was called Great Twin Lakes or something like that, I don't know, but there was a series of lakes there, Uh, that's why they call it the land of 10,000 lakes, but um, the series of, of lakes there in our cabin that we had, there was no outside lighting, there wasn't any lighting around other than what we had in our cabin, And if we turned on the porch light, so um, one night I got to turn off the porch light, walk down to the gate, or not to the gate, but to the dock, and I went out and I laid on the dock on my back, and it was the most incredible experience I've ever had. There were shooting stars everywhere, and it was obvious that God's handiwork was everywhere. So Romans 1 tells us that God's in control of that. There's no argument with that whatsoever. However, when when people talk about the sovereignty of God as far as what's going on in America today, I would say God's not in control. I'd say he's delegated it to us and we've turned it over to a rebel power and then not exercised the authority that Jesus got and gave back to us. Um, God's not involved in, in, in the government of this country, uh, aborting as many babies as they can. And the, and so many other things that the government's doing, promoting, um, homosexual marriage and the other things that it's doing, God's hand's not in that. He didn't, he didn't do that. That's against his word. Um, he's not the one shooting, you know, the guy driving down the street, Pulls, down, pulls up to a stoplight, rolls down his window, and shoots a little six-year-old girl and then just drives off like nothing happened. God's not handed. God, that's not God's will. Um, we can go on and on and see that. And, um, and perhaps in another time, we could spend the whole uh, session on that. But I want you to understand, one of the reasons that these bad things are happening is because we've allowed it to. Uh, why are the schools so screwed up as they are today? Reading, writing, arithmetic don't matter anymore. Those things don't matter a bit anymore. What matters is if you're politically correct and so forth. So when we kicked God out of the schools, He did what we asked Him to do. He left, and then the church didn't have the, didn't exercise her authority uh, to fight to get it back and get those things back in. So uh, understand that's what we're talking about, and so when jesus says what you bind on heaven bind on earth must have already been bound in heaven uh, the things that are bound in heaven that we face cancer cancer's not in heaven nobody in heaven's got cancer nobody's in heaven in heaven is in poverty nobody in heaven is in these various other things there's no sickness and disease there's none of these things there's no crooked court system in heaven Those things are already bound in heaven, and we need to bind them here on earth because we've been given authority within the area that we're in. Now, we don't have authority over people, but we do have authority over rebel spirits. Um, We're going to learn more about that as we go through this study. So I just want you to understand uh, where we're headed and what we're looking at here now. God is showing us that we have authority that we've not exercised. Much of what is going on here is our fault because we've abandoned our authority and we meekly stand by while Satan steals, kills, and destroys, as Jesus said. Now, let's move on. Let's look at Luke chapter 9. Verses 1 and 2. The ministry of the 12 is now he called the 12 together and gave them power and authority over all the demons and the power to heal diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to perform healing. Healing is a part of the kingdom of God. When you got saved, that was part of your package deal. Um, Bill Winston, a preacher from Chicago, told a great story about a woman that uh, was in, uh, he, he he started a church in a rough part of Chicago and uh, poor run down place, a lot of poverty, a lot of crime. And uh, this one woman went in uh, to a barbecue shop, and she bought, uh, you know, a lunch and everything. And then she asked this question, and this is how Bill said it. He says, do bread come with this? Do bread come with this? In other words, did is that part of her, her dinner that she bought? And... What we could say is, like she said, do healing come with this? Yeah, it does. It's part of the package. That's what he says right here. He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to perform healing. Now, go over to Luke 10. After they do that, let's see what happens. After this, the Lord chose 72 others and sent them out in pairs ahead of him into every town and place where he planned to go. And he said to them, there are a great many people to harvest. This is the new century version. There are a great many people to harvest, but there are only a few workers. So pray to God, who owns the harvest, that he will send more workers to gather his harvest. Go now, but listen, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Heal the sick who live there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. But if you go into a town, the people don't welcome you. Then go into the streets and say, even the dirt from your town that sticks to our feet, we will wipe off against you. But remember that the kingdom of God is near. Now, there's a lot of things that he says in here, and I've, I've heard this before. Talking about the harvest is plenty and the workers are few, in relationship to people getting saved, going out and getting people saved. Certainly, that's part of the gospel. Certainly. If you you got you we need to get people to trust in God and so forth. But there's other parts. Bread comes with this. Okay? Bread comes with this. And healing is part of the package deal. Uh, We could go back and look in in, um, Matthew 8, 17, 1 Peter 2, 24, Isaiah 53, and find out that, yes, healing is part of the package. Now, people don't believe it. People say, well, no, that's not true, and they'll argue about it. Uh, But I go to to, uh, scriptures like Mark chapter 6, and it says in there in in verse five that Jesus could do no miracles there because of their unbelief. He could do no mighty miracles there. It didn't say that he wouldn't do them. He said he couldn't do them because of their unbelief. So unbelief is a problem. Um, if you if you look carefully, uh, and I'll pull this up. Uh, I wasn't planning on going there, but. Let's go back and look at Mark chapter 16, and I think we'll start in verse 14, I believe it is, yeah. Uh, After this he appeared in a different form to two of them while they were on their way to the country, and then they came back and told the rest, but they did not believe them. Two guys walking down the street. Jesus shows up, talks to them, and so forth. They go back and tell everybody we've seen the Lord, and they don't believe him. So when Jesus shows up, let's see what he has to say about that. Verse 14. Then he appeared to the eleven themselves, and while they were eating, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they did not believe him who had seen him, resurrected he rebuked them for their hardness of heart and their unbelief now that's one of the issues that we're running into Um, when it comes to healing people have to believe it people have to if if you don't believe in it it's not going to be a problem to you now let's go down here and look at Verse 15 in Mark 16, and look how he finishes this up. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, certainly that involves people getting saved, uh, becoming a believer. As Romans said, Uh, uh, we believe that Jesus died and was raised from the dead, and we we confess him as Lord, we'll be saved. And he said, the one who believes and is baptized will be saved. But the one who does not believe will be condemned. These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they'll drive out demons. They will speak in new languages. They will pick up snakes with their hands, and whatever poison they drink will not harm them. And they will place their hands on the sick, and they will recover. Now, those are the last words that he spoke to to the guys, to his buddies. Uh, He rebuked them, first of all, because they didn't believe. And then he told them what the gospel really was. And it's interesting here that um, uh, whatever poison they drink will not harm them. Well, he's not telling people to go out and drink poison. But it's like I heard uh, one teacher the other day, Keith Moore, was telling about uh, some of his mission trips. Uh, he ate things that were bad, and they knew. And after he eaten them, he knew they were bad. And so he stood on this scripture, and they didn't hurt him. Uh, we could go back to uh, Elisha in the Old Testament. Uh, these guys were out in the woods, and and um, they made some stew, and said, "Oh my gosh, the stew's poison." And Elijah or Elisha, I mean. Um, Uh, I forget exactly what it was that he did, but he made the stew so it didn't hurt him. We could go on and on in that. It says they'll pick up snake with their hands. Nobody's telling the snake handlers. That's stupid. But look what happened to Paul in chapter 28 of Acts. He was just trying to get warm, build a fire, and a viper landed on his hand, he just threw him away. So I don't know what kind of snake it was. doesn't matter, but the natives said, ah, he's done something wrong because God's getting ready to punish him. He's going to kill him over that. So, but he didn't die. So we are told we can walk in this type of victory if we'll just trust God to go. And I, I've said before in my, again, I've, I've like I'm promoting this book, God Smuggler by Brother Andrew, who just passed away not too long ago, at, I think he was 94 years old. He tells stories about how when he was uh, in, in Poland, uh, believing God, found out he, God wanted to get Bibles to people. Uh, he took a load of Bibles, didn't cover them up or anything, and prayed and asked God to cover him as he went through a, Soviet, or a communist checkpoint. God did everything he asked him to do and got him through there. And then years and years and years of testimonies of what God's done in his life. We could go on and on. I'm just saying to you that the keys of the kingdom are ours. And when Jesus said he's looking for workers to work in the harvest, he's looking for people that'll go out with their authority and take control of demons, throw out demons and the power to heal diseases and, and see people get healed. Uh, that's... Uh, you know that's what it's there. To, that's what we're called to do. Now uh, I've read a lot of books by people that have had strong healing meetings, strong healing ministries. Kenneth Hagan Julie and I were in Tulsa in the eighties, and uh, we saw uh, Kenneth Hagan in, in ministry in action. We saw Oral Roberts in, in action. We saw T.J. Osborne in action. We saw Kenneth Copeland in action, and Jerry Savell. And other people, uh, Vicky Jameson, other people that were there, we saw them, and we saw people get healed. Um, so it's there for the taking. We just have to walk in it, and that's what we're that's what we're we're looking to do here. Uh, in order to have this authority, you know, I, I, I put a footnote down here. To have this authority, we must be fully convinced that we've been given the authority and power to do these things. If you don't believe, we could go back to uh, look real quick. Turn to Hebrews chapter 11. And let's look at verse 6. The Lord says, Now without faith it is impossible to please him for the one who approaches God must believe that He exists, and He rewards those who seek Him. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. The writer of the book of Hebrews said that. Um, Jesus said other similar things, and I think what we what we're what we're wanting people to understand that we can use our authority to shut down the enemy as he's out tearing up lives and tearing up things and he's just causing problems right and left because of of the ignorance of the church and the unwillingness to to step out and do these things Um, demons are always at work trying to trip us up and we need to be able to operate in god in such a way that we can respond to it with the word of god now Healing the sick is part of the kingdom. Now, there's another thing that he says in there. Go out now, but listen. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Sheep among wolves. Um, Think about that for a minute. We got the sheep over here, and we got the wolves over here. We got these two elements. And wolves always eat sheep. You don't ever hear of a sheep attacking and killing a wolf. Sheep. Are eaten by wolves, and it doesn't work the other way around. However, Jesus is telling us that we're sheep, and He is sending us out to do these things in the middle of wolves. What is that talking about? Well, um, one of the scriptures, and we could we could dig into this a little bit more. The next uh, on the part four. Uh, one of the things that we want to look at here is, is Jesus said he came to bring division and not peace. He says that in in, uh, in Luke. I'll get to the, the exact scripture. and We'll have it for you the next session. There's a number of scriptures. There's just a whole bunch of them that speak to this and that uh, what Jesus is saying. And if you think about it, we think about it in terms of spiritual warfare. So let's talk about that a minute. We're. We were airlifted. We were parachuted into a world that is offskilder. It's a it's a spiritually rotten world. It's full of the enemy who, who steals, kills, and destroys. That's what Satan wants to do all the time. And we were airlifted into here and parachuted in here to subdue the world. That's what Adam and Eve were to do. Whatever little chunk of ground they had as the Garden of Eden... Uh, They were to take control of that and do what God's asked them to do, be fruitful, multiply, and subdue the earth. Well, Satan, because he he was the one uh, that was in this planet, and God had given control of the planet to Adam and Eve, and Satan came in here and ferhoodled them. That is a word. You can look it up, ferhoodle. He ferhoodled them into giving him the authority. And when he... When he approached Jesus in uh, Matthew and Luke 4, he tells him, all this, all these kingdoms have been given to me and they're mine to give to whoever I want. Well, that's true. Uh, Satan was given authority by Adam, who was the ruler of the planet. So what we want to do is to learn how to use our authority to overcome the enemy's attacks against us. Now, um, let me look real quick uh, well, I think that'll get us through today. I hope you've gotten something out of this. Just remember the the main question here is who do men say that I am and it's funny when you when you read that you find out people back then were having just as much difficulty with Jesus as they are today, and he was standing there with them. He was there with them, and people still struggled over these things. Um, some say you're Elijah, some say this. and But then Jesus really dropped the hammer on them and said, but who do you say that I am? So in the light of that, let's pursue more knowledge about how to use the keys of the kingdom, how to unlock the mysteries of the kingdom of God, because Jesus said in Mark, that the mysteries of God have been given to us. So let's pursue that, and let's just see how things go on our journey here into learning more about the keys of the kingdom. So I'm going to say a prayer, and we're going to close things out. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word. Help us, Father, to pursue your word. When we've got questions, we hear things that, that don't make sense, Help us to come to you and work them out with you, Father, in Jesus' name. So I look forward to seeing you next time when we talk more about the keys of the kingdom of God in part four. Thank you, everybody, for listening.